I am on a mission, rather a path to discovering the connections of the mind, body, and spirit as it's linked to social justice work. Particularly, I am interested in the spiritual aspect of social justice work. Each episode, I will talk with scholars in various fields who are committed to social justice and social change to learn more about how they see spirituality connected to the commitment of justice and change. I am your host, Dr. Valen S. Jordan, diversity and social justice educator, and this is 824. Let's talk about emotions. Uh, so here's the million dollar question. How are thoughts different from emotions? So in our last segment together, we talked about thoughts and managing our thoughts. How are our thoughts different from emotions? And to be honest, I sometimes don't know if my thoughts are getting the best of me or if it's my emotions or if they're the same thing. I honestly have no idea it's what such, the difference is. Such a good question. Val, and it's like, really, I hear it a lot. Um, and I think it's so important. It's so important to identify. Um, in the last segment, we were talking about, you know, the difference between like, so a circumstance versus a thought versus a feeling versus a behavior. Um, so I use, I use emotions and feelings interchangeably because, you know, I think of them as the the, the same things, but um, they're, they're words that we use, right, to describe emotional states. So words like happy, sad, angry, worried, disappointed, joyful, content, shocked, curious, you know, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, but they're all feelings. Right. So um, we use we use them to describe our emotional state. Um, emotions. So emotions occur in our bodies. Right. They manifest as physical sensations somewhere in our physical body. So you might notice um, for me, like I notice that I feel anxiety when it arises. It usually arises in my chest um, and it usually feels like a tightening sensation um, right in my sternum, right in the center of my chest. Um, for me, like anger, I usually feel in my head. I usually feel my head getting hot and my face getting hot. Um, and that's the physical sensation that I usually, that usually comes when I feel angry. Um, so, so that can be helpful too, you know, to think of them as, okay, they manifest as, as physical sensations in our bodies. Um, thoughts are, I like to think of them as basically everything else, <laughs> you know, like thoughts are, are the things that your brain produces. Um, and sometimes we use the words interchangeably. You know, I hear this a lot with clients saying, you know, I feel like, and then they tell me a thought, right? So like, I feel like he wasn't listening to me, or I feel like that meeting went really poorly. Um, and those are thoughts, not feelings. Right. He wasn't listening to me um, and the meeting went really poorly. Those are thoughts. Um, you can say I felt uncertain about whether he was listening or not, or I felt disappointed by the way the meeting went. Um, so it, it helps to be really clear in our language when, you know, we, we can say, like, I feel 
blank and then use use an emotion word um or, and then if you're going to say you know a thought i think blank <laughs> um or i'm thinking blank as as the thought you know that can just be like a helpful a helpful thing to distinguish yeah okay so do emotions have a purpose yes so, emotions like, definitely have a purpose, purpose. um I, I find it really helpful to think of emotions as giving us information. Um, and what are they giving us information about? They're giving us information about our thoughts, right? So if we remember from that last segment, thought, the thought occurs first and then the feeling appears. Um, and there are some, you know, there are some, we can like, there are some like general purposes to, to some emotions, like um, for example, sadness, sadness tells us that we are feeling disconnected from someone or for, from something important. Um, frustration can tell us that we are not having or achieving what we want. Um, anxiety or fear tells us that there's a threat. Um, disappointment tells us that an expectation that we had was not fulfilled. Um, right? Joy or happiness tell us that this feels really good and it makes us want to do this thing more, right? We want more of the same. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's important. I think that can be helpful, especially when we're feeling a feeling that is uncomfortable, right? To ask us, okay, what is this, what is this feeling telling me, right? What is the information that it's giving me? Um, so, and I think it helps too, to think in terms of, of evolution um because because we can think of our emotions in terms of survival right so our our primitive brains had to evolve in order to ensure that we'd survive um we we still have the same biological responses as our ancestors did right so if you think about like a tiger standing in front of you um you're going to get that anxiety and, and fear response right that's going to kick in and why is that kicking in? It's kicking in to protect you. Um, and so I like to think of our, our emotions as kicking in to protect us, right? They're, they're coming up for, for some reason. And while it might not always be as extreme as like a tiger standing in front of you, right? They are, um, they are producing information to tell us something, right? Like, so for example, um, with sadness, right? Sadness telling us that we're disconnected from someone or something important will that sounds to me like it could be a motivator for us to stay together in communities and families, which was actually, you know, really important to survival when we, we lived more commonly in groups, right? And we needed our group in order to survive and we still need, we still need other people in order to survive, right? So sadness is actually really helpful because it's telling us, hey, you know, you have to connect to people, you know, you have to, you have to be with the people who are important to you. Um, so I think in terms of thinking of it like that, that can be really helpful to understand that our emotions are not, necess not necessarily bad. Like there's not, sometimes we talk about like negative emotions or positive emotions, um, but I think they're actually, they can all be helpful. You know, I don't think there's any like quote unquote bad emotion to have. Is it possible that emotions are ever irrational? And I ask that reflecting on what you said about emotions mm -hmm. kicking in as a sense of survival, mm -hmm. uh, as, as a means to protect us. 
So is it possible that there's an emotion that's happening when there's nothing to be And it goes back to, right, the thought behind it. So um, if we go back to like the tiger in front of you example, right, of like anxiety, fear, that um, that anxiety, fear can kick in when there's not a real threat, right? Like when um, your boss maybe sends you um, uh, like a demanding email, right? And all of a sudden you're feeling really anxious and fearful. Um, then we have to look at the thought. Okay, what am I thinking about this email? Am I thinking that my job is in jeopardy? Well, okay, if my job is in jeopardy, then my livelihood is in jeopardy, right? Mm-hmm. My ability to provide food and shelter for my family or myself is in jeopardy, right? So, so it makes sense. It's like, yeah, that, that anxiety response um, is kind of is warranted, right? Um, if, if, if that's the actual circumstance that your job is in jeopardy, right? But if your boss is just having a bad day or if that's just how they write emails, um, then your job might not be in jeopardy, right? And then so the thought might be, oh, my boss is having a bad day, which then leads you to maybe be a little more relaxed around that email and not take it as personally and not feel as threatened by it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's really helpful to hear that in terms of um, that a threat might not be posed, but it's the thought that exists that creates the emotion that would suggest there there is a or a yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's not like, so it's not to say too that like, don't get mad at your thoughts either, you know, because like, we have like irrational thoughts all of the time. But and you know, our thoughts, our thoughts are come a, a lot from our, our experiences, you know, our, our lived experiences, our shared experiences, our cultural experiences, like, um, you know, our thoughts can emerge from a lot of different places. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's not necessarily like bad if if you get upset every time your boss sends you an angry email right like that you might need to get out of that position that might not be a good job for you um it might be really toxic um so it's not necessarily bad but it's just like it's good to observe it or like it's helpful to observe it um and know where it's coming from you know and put it in the context of you know your own perception and your own experience um and and those of like you know your culture and and your life and your worldview what about anger is anger a a valuable emotion um yes i think anger is super valuable so anger appears when our system right when when we perceive and again like note that word perceive when we perceive that we're being attacked or threatened right? When we, when we perceive that maybe there's an injustice. Um, so, so it shows up based on our experiences, our belief system, our culture, you know, all of those things um, that, that go into our perception. So, so that's good to remember too, right? That, that it's the, the circumstances being filtered through the lens of our perception. Um, but it's it's so useful because it, it again it like emerges to keep us safe right um if we are actually being attacked or threatened we want anger to show up right we want it to protect us um if there is an injustice right we want anger to show up so that so that there can be justice um we want it to just we want it to show up at the right time and in a proportional way so um we can show our anger in a lot of different ways, right? Like anger can come out as 
as passive aggression. It can come out as as violence. It can be shown like via like gossip, or we can suppress our anger and you know push it down and ignore it. The emotion will continue to present itself until it's heard. Um, I like the example of a child in the backseat of the car repeating, mommy, 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 like over and over again until the mother responds, right? So think of that as like our emotions. Um, They're going to be like tapping you on the shoulder, being like, Valen, 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 until you say yes, you like turn around and you look at the emotion and you talk to it and you ask it like, yes, like what, what do you want to tell me? (laughs) Um, which is like you know a funny example but I feel like it's helpful when we're like avoiding our feelings um I you know anger anger is such a tough one because we are not really we're not really taught I feel like how to handle it um in I think actually that was a thought not a feeling so I think that we're not taught how to handle it um in our in 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 our education right in our upbringing um i wanted to share this quote from aristotle because i really love it um aristotle says anybody can become angry that is easy but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way that is not within everyone's power and it is not easy. Mm. Right. That's good. Yeah, I know. I love that. Um, but so, right. Like, yeah, I think anger is really important and really valuable. Um, but I think it takes a lot of work to figure it out and to express it in the, in the way that feels best to us. And what about shame and guilt? I feel like those are emotions or come up yes. often. And I've actually heard that shame is a useless emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about shame and guilt? Yeah. Shame and guilt are really interesting. Um, so shame, I think the information that shame is giving us, right? Shame is saying there's something that is wrong with me. And to me, I think, okay, well, then that has to, that exists, shame exists in the context of other people. You only think something's wrong with you when you're comparing yourself to someone else, right? Or when you're comparing yourself to to a larger group. Um, You know, and going back to like thinking primitively, right? Like, so why did this emotion kind of develop within us, right? In in the context of keeping us safe and keeping us together, and I imagine shame emerged in order to, to help people to act in socially appropriate ways, um, right? And keep us, keep us together as a society and, and have us following certain rules. Um, however, the problem with shame, I think, is that it leads to saying something's wrong with me, right? And not anyone else, then can lead to a lot of, of self-hatred and... Um, and, and can keep us, you know, in a really dark space, you know, that feeling of, of otherness, that feeling of, of not belonging. Mm. Um, and then, and then that's not really helpful for the individual, right? Because we want to connect. We want to feel like we belong. We want to feel like we're part of, of the whole. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's totally useless, right? Or if we can look at it and say, 
hey, this this is coming up and it's making me feel feel separate from other people. And I think the way we we try to correct for it is to is to see how it how it connects us, you know, like do other people feel shame? Um, is this something that only I have ever experienced, right? Or might other people have had experienced it as well? Um, can I be, can I use self-compassion? Can I be understanding um, regarding the situation, regarding the circumstance that led me here, regarding the thought that is leading me here, um, right? Can we deal with it maybe in ways that, that are helpful? Um, and, and I think, I think, you know, guilt can be kind of like the same way. I think guilt can be useful too, in the sense that it, it, it prompts people to choose behaviors that are pro-social, right? And that are helpful to others um, in order to, again, like survive, right? That was survival in the context of, of societies. You know, we don't want people to be engaging in behaviors that harm others, right? Because that's not going to be good for, the, for society as a whole. So, right. you know, if we feel, if we feel guilty about like, you know, hitting our little brother, um, then that guilt is going to motivate us to not hit him again. And mm-hmm. right. Um, but I think too, like guilt needs work also because, because it can keep you stuck in the past, right? If you are, feel guilty about hitting your little brother when you were five and now you're 40, um, and you're still carrying that guilt around, right? You're, you're still carrying that, that past around and, and if we can um, use that self-compassion again to, to be understanding, to say, hey, I, I, you know, I was little and that was a bad choice that I made and I didn't understand how it would impact him. And, you know, I feel badly for it and I learned from it and I'm not going to do it again. Right. We can kind of we can put the guilt down um, rather than carrying it with us. Right. But see how it really served us. It served us in, in learning um, and in growing and in being, you know, a, a, a more helpful part of society. Yeah, that was, um, I think that is really, really important uh, to recognize that guilt doesn't have to be carried around and that it can be put down. Yes. Yeah, it's huge. So are there ways to identify our emotions and feel them fully? Yeah. Um, Again, back to self-awareness, right? Just like, you know, helpful questions, just like asking yourself, like, what am I feeling right now? Um, and even if you don't know, that's okay. Um, especially in the moment, a lot of times we don't know how we're feeling in the moment or it takes us a while to sort it out. Um, I like to go back to the body, right? So remembering that emotions appear as physical sensations in our body. You don't have to know what the emotion is, but you can, you can attend to the physical sensation. Um, so I don't know, this might be hard to do, but if you, Val, and listeners want to wanna try it here, you can imagine, you can first tune into your body, right, to see if you ha- are having any physical sensations. Um, so maybe closing your eyes and taking a deep breath and just scanning your body from the top of your head and down to your toes and seeing, is there any, like, tightness anywhere? Is there any... Um, is there any sensation that is just bringing your attention to that space? And then if there is, you can kind of identify where that space is, you know, is that in my head? Is that in my shoulders and my lower back in my stomach in my chest? Um, and 
kind of like we did in an earlier uh, segment too, you know, asking yourself, what is the, what is that sensation? You know, is it a, is it a tightening? Is it hot? Is it cold? Does it feel like it's vibrating or tingling? Right, just trying to identify it without changing it, right? But just trying to identify it. And then you can ask yourself, is there an emotion attached to this physical sensation? Right? Or if this physical sensation could talk, what would it tell me? What would it say to me? Right? Is it giving me some kind of information? And then again, without trying to change it, can you be with that sensation, even if it's uncomfortable, especially if it's uncomfortable, right? Especially if it doesn't feel good. Can you stay with that sensation and just observe it? And this is a, this is a huge tenant of, of mindfulness is can you observe it without judgment, without trying to change it? Can you just watch it and be with it, right? And let it tell you what it needs to tell you and let it be in your body for as long as it wants to be in your body for. And then notice if it changes at all. Notice if you have any urges to like move away from it or make it go away. And then when you feel like you've spent enough time with it and it's given you the information needed and it's ready to go, you know, then you can come back to your space and you can come back to to what you were doing and you can move on with your day, right? But just that little exercise of going into the physical sensation can allow you to feel it fully. Mm. Yeah. I will certainly be using that more often. Um, is it something that you find yourself needing to intentionally do or can it be done like in the moment so mm -hmm. for example um like yesterday <laughs> I told my partner remember to turn the lights off when you leave a room mm -hmm. and uh he responded with am I annoying you and then I responded in a way that uh led to me storming out <laughs> of the room I was in and uh, being very upset and isolating myself mm -hmm. and not actually taking time to recognize in the moment what I was feeling when he asked me that question. And so I'm curious as to how we respond in the immediate mm -hmm. or if there's a way to even respond to the emotion in the immediate or is it that you have to take time to walk away from the circumstance yeah. to be able to identify the emotion? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I think I also need time to walk away. Um, I, I imagine that it's possible, right, to maybe after a lot of practice and with a lot of mindfulness, I imagine that it's possible to recognize it in the moment, especially, especially depending on the severity, right? If it's, if it's not really intense, um, then you can probably catch it a little more easier in the moment. Um, but I think it's, it, you know, is totally understandable to need to, to walk away and to have some time alone to process it and to feel it. Um, yeah, you know, like without judgment, again, like I don't think anyone is, you know, can do that all of the time where they can always catch their feelings and they can always, 
you know, be present to what's going on inside of them as it happens. You know, maybe if you're like a Buddhist monk, I don't know, um, or you've been, you know, doing these practices your whole life. Um, but I think for most of us, yeah, especially in the beginning, we'll, we'll need the time to walk away and uh, attend to ourselves, you know, and then come back. And is it okay to just let your emotions rise and come to the surface? Mm -hmm. Or are there times where one should work to suppress them? I think, I think in terms of safety, um, that would be a time I would say, you know, if it's not safe to have your emotions arise, like if you are in um, like a violent relationship or, or something like that, right? Or maybe it would, it would uh, put you in harm's way to show your emotions, um, you know, then it can be, it can be healthy to, to suppress them, right? Because your need for survival is more important than your need for, you know, your, your emotional health in that moment. Um, you know, I think it, I think it's a, it's such an individual journey too, right? Like, I think that's up to each person, you know, like so we, we don't, we don't want to suppress our emotions in order to have, in order to be like healthy emotionally, but there might be times when maybe we do need to do that. Right. Or maybe we do it automatically out of habit or, or what have you, you know, or out of necessity. Um, I think the biggest thing is not judging ourselves for it. Um, but I think if it's safe to do so, you know, if we're in a safe place and, and with us and or with a safe person, um, yeah, then we want to try to be be feeling our feelings. Because remember, like the little kid in the back seat, like the feelings are going to keep keep nagging at you or keep calling you um, or come out in some other type of way if we don't attend to them. And so are there effective ways for communicating our emotions? Yes. Um, such effective ways. I think some of the, the basics are just using I statements, right? And this is great for relationships and for couples. Um, instead of using you statements, right? Which causes the other person to often feel defensive, right? We just say, I, I feel blank, right? And use the emotion word. So I feel frustrated. I feel scared. I feel irritated. Um, you know, not, not everyone has the same experiences, but everyone experiences the same feelings. So, you know, I might not have ever had that same arg argument that you had with your partner, with someone, right? But I, I understand you when, when you said that, you know, you needed to go and be alone and process that feeling, right? Whether that was like frustration or irritability. Um, I have felt frustrated and irritable before. Right. So that that allows me to feel more connected to you in your experience of what happened. Does that make sense? Are there other ways for communicating besides I statements? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in using in using the emotional words, definitely in um, I think in trying to understand the other, you know, like, so, so I statements are helpful in trying to communicate your experience, right? I think when you're trying to understand someone else's experience, um, and I'm sure you run into this a lot in, in your field, Val, but it's, it's, 
being curious and not presuming, right? Not being presumptive. Mm. So asking questions, asking open-ended questions. So open-ended questions are ones that don't have a yes, no answer, right? Um, Closed-ended questions are the answer is yes or no. There's no, there's no room for, for expansion there. Um, questions right. like, you know, what was that like for you? Invites the other person to tell you more. Or, you know, statements mm -hmm. like, can, you know, tell me more about that. Um, you know, and we use those, those type of open-ended questions and, and curious statements in therapy a lot, right? Because the therapist is trying to understand the client's um, perspective, the client's experience. Um, and so we try not to presume to know what, what their experience is, right? But we want to be curious about it um, and, and ask open-ended questions in order to understand. And then, and then trying to clarify, right? Like just summarizing what the person said back to them, you know? Okay, Valen, like you told me that you had an argument with your partner and asked him to turn the lights off. And then he said, you know, am I annoying you? Like, and then you stormed out. Is, is that accurate? You know, is that an accurate reflection of of what happened and or like did, did I hear that correctly you know is there anything that I missed right it's just trying to be really going back to like real basics um of of, of listening awesome so it sounds like as we are thinking through and as you're sharing um how we one come to identify emotions and communicate them and feel them that there is a need to listen to them um, not just to others that we're in conversation or dialogue with but listening to our emotions and understanding one their purpose in terms of survival but then also recognizing how we come to share them in effective ways um, that allow for us to can be in continued paths of growth um, so thank you for that and uh, I think as people have, are listening to this segment on emotions there is much to take away and there's certainly much to attend to in our own personal lives so thank you again for yes that, you're welcome you're very welcome thank you for listening to this installment in the wellness Wednesday series. If you would like to be in contact with Diane, you can reach her through email at dmartori, that's M-A-R-T-O-R-I, at gmail.com, dmartori at gmail.com. Please continue to stay connected and updated on this podcast and much more by following Yoga for Social Justice on Instagram or Twitter.